All right, so we've been doing just a couple of random things, which once in a while I like to do some random things. We have uh, been going through a few things that we just wanted to pick for topics. We're going to start a new series, um, and it may not be next week, but I believe it'll be the following week after that. Everything settles down after everybody's all gets through their initial anger from going to school, etc., etc. Then we'll start in <laughs> on what we're going to do. Um, we are going to start in a couple weeks a new series on Psalm 23. Okay, so there's this one is particular as Shepherd looks at Psalm 23, and we're going to talk a lot about sheep. Since you guys all know a little bit about sheep, um, it is a very interesting look at a man who was a shepherd who talks about the different parts of the sheep. He was kind of an old-time shepherd, and he looked at and talked about all the different uh, things and problems with sheep and the issues that they ran into and the tools that they used and what their intention was with uh, Psalm 23 so that it helps you understand a little bit more. And I thought people here can relate to that. So we are going to look at that for a few weeks uh, when we get to that. So, But for tonight, I want to talk a little bit about heaven. I want to talk about what it will be like. All right. I want to talk and help you think a little bit about this mysterious topic because we don't know exactly, and we have not seen, but we have a couple of first-hand accounts of people who have had visions or direct from Jesus as he talks about things that um, only he has seen and really came down to earth and he mentions some things all right so we're going to take and and extract some things out of a few different spots in the bible and think about what it will be like just some highlights some interesting highlights so uh back when oh it was a while back 13 14 almost years ago we, Amy and I, took our in-laws, Amy's parents, and we had been working with them for about five years on our house. And when I say working on them, they came up almost every weekend, Saturday, and worked all day on our house. And no one here remembers what our house was like when I first bought it, but it was not in good shape. Um, we have replaced and worked on just about everything from top to bottom, and we still are working on things from top to bottom. Every single room we gutted one by one. We tore all of the drywall out. We tore all of the old parts and pieces out. We insulated, we electric, and plumbing, and drywall, and plaster, and paint, and new flooring, and all sorts of things from top to bottom. We tore chimneys out. We, did re we redid all the roofing in the whole place. Some things I've done twice, some of the roofing. Um, and built new parts and pieces, porches and things. 
So we really did a lot of work. And with them, we took them into the room after room after room. Hey, we're going to renovate this one. We're going to renovate this one next. And after about five years, they were getting pretty tired. Like, so Amy and I took them into a room upstairs. And this was after probably room 14 or so that we had done in five years. We had gutted all these rooms and said, guess what we're going to do? We walked them into this room and said, we are going to renovate this room. And there it was. The same thing. Plaster, old plaster. We had to tear it all down. All the walls. The floor was disgusting. Smelled bad. Every single room. And this was filled. This was a room, and I still remember this. It's about the size of this room. Close. And it was a room we literally had a pathway through because there were people who had stored things there. There was junk up there. There was all kinds of stuff. Just a pathway from door to door in this room. And we walked up and said, this is the next room we're going to renovate. And they kind of said, oh, okay, that's good. And we said, because we need a nursery. <laughs> and there was Natalia coming, all right? We didn't know it was Natalia. We just knew there was a baby coming, all right? All of a sudden, my in-laws, who had worked and worked tirelessly with us for so long, who had kind of said, oh, another room, fantastic. Now they got new vigor and new energy and new excitement. And we are going to build this room because someone special is coming. Special details, Dick and Jane wallpaper, special colors, all the different details, cribs, and all the things that needed to be done down to the softest carpet that we could find, special padding. We did everything with new vigor because there was a new person coming. Right? That excitement is part of the excitement that Jesus talks about with heaven. All right? We're going to turn to John chapter 14 to start with. John chapter 14. This is the cool part of when Jesus talks about things, you can relate to him. This is not, he does not talk about some high and lofty imaginative place. He talks about heaven in a unique way. John chapter 14, verse number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. All right. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Chapter 14, verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye be, may be also. And whither I go, ye, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All right, so he is the way to this special place in my father's house, okay? There are mansions. Now, some places say dwelling places. This is what I want you to think about. The point was this, not how big the house was, but how specifically it was made for what? For who? For you. Now he's talking to the disciples on that night and he is connecting with them. This is really hours before he will die and he begins to bring them comfort and say, look, this is not, I'm, I'm going. But it's exciting. When I go, I'm going to do something. I'm making a special place for you to live. He says, I'm excited about this. This is like the in-laws that find out we need a nursery and all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're going to tear it. Can we start now? Because we're excited to get this done. Not because we're going to do another room. We've done another room. The point is, it is specifically made with you in mind. That's the neat part of heaven. Made with you in mind. Your place, right? It is your place, specifically for you. It is not made for somebody else. There's a place for Phoebe. There's a place for Natalia. And there's a place for every single one of us. Gideon and Audrey and Levi. Specifically made for me. Which means, well, if they do a good job getting it ready, it'll be really cool to be there. My place might be very different than your place. Why is that? Well, because I'm a different person. I have a different personality. All right, we're going to get into that a little bit later here, but he's going to do and create this place with you in mind. It is waiting for you now. He knew who you were before you were ever born, before, you're, uh, before you ever were conceived in your mother's womb. He knew exactly who you were, your thoughts, your emotions, the things you that make you happy. Are you an inside person or an outside person? Are you a person that loves wildlife? Are you a person that loves to read? Are you the person that loves stories? Are you a person that loves to do math? Day and night. People do, right? And he knew... If you needed what you need to feel 
home. So that's the question for you. What is a home? What's a home? Is a home different than a house? Yes. Okay. So, a home is not necessarily walls and a roof, although walls and a roof accomplish something for you, right? They keep you warm, safe, and dry. Those are good things, right? That's what a house does, and a home includes a house, the things of a house, but what really makes something home? Tell me about how you feel when you say you've been away on a long trip and you just can't wait to get home. Why? Why can't you wait to get home? What is it that you feel about that? Familiar. Familiar. Okay. That's good. None of you have ever been to a home? I don't know. Do you not have a home? <laughs> no. We live in a tree. Oh, okay. But that can be your home. All right. <laughs> what would make it your home? Relaxing. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Relaxing. Comfortable. I'll go with comfy because, yeah. What makes it relaxing? Is it that you can sit down? No, you can sit down in a bus station in the middle of New York City. And oh. that is not, although it could be a comfortable bench, it is not what makes it your home. So there's something deeper, right, that makes it your home. God. What? God? Okay. So, uh, okay. God, what does God bring? God is everywhere. So there you go. God's in the bus station too. Do you feel when you get there, do you act, so I guess I'm going to have to drag this out of you guys here. Do you act the same in front of a big crowd of strangers as you do at home? No. Okay. Why? They're strangers, okay. So, who do you feel more like yourself when you're in front of a big crowd of strangers? Or when you are at your house? It's your house. So, there is something that lets you be yourself. Okay, I can be me. At home. I am who I am. Now, me is not always pretty. Okay? But me is the most relaxed that I am. And I like the word relaxing, but it was not about a cushion, right? Relaxing was about how you feel when you get there. I am free to be me. 
I do not have to put on special clothes to be home, right? I don't dress up to go home. I dress down. <laughs> I wear what is ever the most comfortable at the time, whatever makes the most sense, okay? Whatever it is I'm feeling, I'm the most comfortable at home because I am protected, safe. I feel like whatever I am, my family already knows who I am, right? I don't have to make anything up to try and make people believe that I'm somebody different than I am. Now, I may not always be pretty <laughs> what I am, but they already know. If I got a temper, they know it, right? If I'm impatient, they know it. But home allows me to be who I am. So when Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you, specifically built for you, I'm making a home for you. I, when you come to heaven, I want you to be relaxed. I want you to be who you are. Uh, be me, right? I want you to be familiar with things. I know where everything is. It's in the place I put it because it makes my life comfortable. When I lay down at night, I put my glasses in the same square foot, right? Because I know where it is. I take them off so I can sleep, so I don't smash them all in my face. Bend them all up already more than they are, okay? So I have, I can reach out, I know they're there. I know they're there. My bed's the most comfortable to me to be in. I have never been in a hotel bed that that I sleep in that is better than my own bed, okay? I've had bad beds in the past, but I like to be in my own home, in my own room, just to be me. There's something comforting about it. And Jesus says, I'm going to create that place for you, a place where you feel okay about being, where you feel relaxed about being you, you don't have to worry about going to this place. Now, what else makes home? I'm not saying you cannot live alone, but a home is often filled with people. Other people. People that you know very well. Okay. So... There is relationship there. And that is one other thing that is an important part. There is relationship. Now, not all relationships here on earth bring you comfort. Sometimes when you are around your brothers, your sister, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your grandfather, your grandmother, whomever it is that may live in your house, they may not bring you comfort. Okay? And that's because we live in a world that is affected by the curse. Right? So not all relationships bring comfort. But if you can look at the most 
rewarding relationships you have on this earth. The best times in your relationships. Because the real problem with relationships, like I said, the curse, the curse said this is bad, right? When sin was come about by the curse, it made relationships have tension in them. And no one wants to walk around on eggshells in their own home because you don't feel comfortable. It makes you uncomfortable. And usually the older the teenager you become or young adult you become, the more uncomfortable you are in your own home because you're ready to create your own new home, sort of, okay? But that's a big step and a big change. But at some point, as a natural thing where God says, a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves unto his wife and you create a new home. You made a choice to be with another person. That's a commitment. And you said, I will have a relationship with this person. It will bring me comfort to be with this person. And I will bring that person comfort. It's not all about me. All right? It's the times when sin gets in between you where it creates friction. Whether it's anger or impatience, unkindness, not willing to listen one, one to another, okay? That's what brings friction. But in a home situation, not a house, right? Because sometimes you're in the same house, right? But in a place where you are most comfortable, in a home, that is what God is going to create for you, right? All the best things. And we'll see that some of those things the earth has are taken away and so it brings the good things of home and leaves the bad things here in this earth, okay? Or at least in the old earth. All right, so he goes and prepares a place for you with you in mind. Now let's turn to Psalm chapter 37. <sighs> David always seems to have really good insights on God. Who he is because he has a deep relationship with God and so his understanding is transcends time. He's able to describe how God reacts with a human, how he reacts with him, and he's able to put it into words through the Holy Spirit, puts it into these words and say, and says, this is God. This is the way it should be with God. All right? So the problem with earth is that there's evil people on earth. There are people that are, are in sin, choosing to sin, and saying, I want nothing to do with God. And that's what he's going to call evil people. Okay? Their life here on earth is different, and their life in eternity is different. They have their chance. They have their reward here in life. It's a short time. It's an opportunity to change. But if missed, they will miss out on the greatest rewards that are coming. 
All right, so chapter 37 of Psalms, verse number 1, 2, 3, and 4, please. Wherever. You can start again. It's okay. okay. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. How many of you cut the lawn? Use the lawnmower? I know how to drive it. <laughs> how many of you have ever seen the lawnmower cut? Will you cut the lawn? Okay. All right. Good. So, when you cut the grass... Where does it go? On the Out. On to the rest of the grass, right? Or sometimes people pick it up. No one's going to pick it up. Not around here, right? So next week, you're going to mow it again. Where would all the grass go? In a week, right? It's just gone. If you have, and I've done this where I have like literally cut hay field down in my yard where I'm this tall and I go and I chop it all down and it leaves these little rows of, of grass and they're high. Well, next week, they're all rotten and nasty underneath and they're brown and dead on top and they've lost like three quarters of their mass. And if it's just a normal week of grass, where, yeah, maybe that high you cut most of it off or half of it off, you go back, try to find all the blades of grass. You can't even find one blade of grass that you cut last week. And that's only a week. David is saying this. There are people who choose to say, I don't want anything to do with God. And it appears as though they are healthy and they are vigorous, and they are doing great in their life, and that God is rewarding them. That's what it appears like. And he said, and it seems like you are struggling when you're trying to follow God. It's hard to do. It doesn't, the reward doesn't seem to come. And he said, but the people that choose not to have God in their life are like the lawn that got mowed down. They seem super healthy and vigorous, and they're like that grass that got cut off. And all of a sudden, you go and look around like, where'd they go? I'm not sure where they went. They all kind of just disappeared. I know kind of they evaporated, <laughs> disintegrated. They're gone. There's not much of a remnant left of them. That's what David says about the way God takes care of those people who don't want him. Now, he's patient, and he's kind, and that's his goal is not to wipe out people. His goal is that all would come to salvation. That's what he wants. But he understands and knows that not everyone will do that. To blow your mind a little bit more, he understands and knows those who will not, and he knows their exact names of people who refuse. Right? before they were ever born. 
there's a whole other question and a whole other topic to describe and work on someday. But the point is this. There are those people who go in the wind all of their life and all they amass and all they create and all their power and all of the things they do can be wiped away in a day. But then there is someone who does something. That last verse described as someone who does what for God? Verse 4. Delights themselves in God. How many of you have ever seen, this always drove me crazy for the longest time. I know why people do it, but adults stare at a young baby that's now just learned how to crawl or just learned how to walk. They all go around and they watch and they stare. It brings them pleasure to see them. And they all take these little babies. Oh, you're so big, you're so big. You know, it drove me nuts. <laughs> anyways, anyways, they love those kids. Doesn't have to even be theirs, right? Many adults look and, and just they're mesmerized with these kids. And they say it's so fascinating just to watch the life that they live when they can go and they explore and they find new things. All the things you know, right? It isn't like, ah, that's so dumb, they're learning how to walk. I learned that 50 years ago. They're like, look, he's gonna take his first step. Look, look, look. And he doesn't do it, right? And he's like, <laughs> reaching so he doesn't have to, right? That's what they do. But they, it's a delight to watch. And this is what God, this is what God is looking for in humans. Someone that says, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do next. When, he, when I know he's in my life, when I know he's doing something, it makes me happy. He's chosen my life to choose something, and I'm just happy when he does that. I'm excited when he brings other people to God, when he uses my life, when he uses my, my words, my relationships, my opportunities. Uh, he takes my friends and brings them where they ask questions and they say, why do you believe in that weird stuff? What makes you different? And when you say, I'll tell you why. This is great. Because God is fascinating. When you learn to delight yourself in God, and that's, that's what brings you joy. When you've learned to get there, God knows you so well that he says, I'll give you anything you want. In fact, I know better what you want than even you know what you want. I'm going to create these whole circumstances to bring you to that place because you love me so much, I want to give you everything. 
that's the way God treats us. He treats us like someone, a parent that spoils a child but doesn't ruin them, which is amazing, right? Gives you everything you desire. But he does it in such a way to say, if you can keep your eyes on me this whole time, if you can delight in me, I will change you and make you into who you want to be so that when you get these great things in your life, the things that really will make you happy and fulfilled, when you get those things, you'll be happy about it in a way you never thought. I started hunting deer when I was 16 years old because that's when I could do it. First time. Go out. And like any deer hunter, probably any man that's a deer hunter, okay, but most deer hunters want to find that big buck somewhere. So I looked and I spent a lot of time out in the woods. When I was 16, 17, and 18, I spent just days and days out in the woods, in the swamp, setting up stands, going to places again and again and again. And no great big buck. And I prayed that I'd find some big buck. Something. And then I remember I was making knives at the time. And I said, so all I really want is just uh, antler so that I can do uh, a handle on one of my knives. So out comes a buck. And I'm like, this is great. And I shoot him. And he's got one antler. <laughs> it's all you asked for, isn't it? And that's what you got, right? And then, dry for years. Dry as far as getting, I mean, I got does and I was grateful for any time I got opportunities and was able to shoot, but I just wanted that buck. It was not for almost 20 more, 20 years till I got a piece of property. And I went and I spent a lot of time hunting. And I'm like, now I've got this piece of property. I'm going to shoot. Fuck. And I went out and I worked hard and I tried to create spaces where I could shoot these deer. And I got so close. I could tell you 20 stories of deer, big deer, little deer, deer with horns everywhere. You think I could get one of those deer? Stupid things happened. I had a big buck walk down, and he was probably from me to you away. He walked right down, right down a trail, and I was probably five feet off the ground, not very high, right towards me. And I had a bow and arrow, and I was standing in a little group of trees, but he could see me right there, and I was waiting as he was stepping around this spot and I was going to get ready to aim and shoot him. He was going to be, I mean, he couldn't have been 10 feet away at the time 
that I was going to shoot him. And as I got ready and my heart is pounding and I go to draw my bow, I had my long bow, I had little gloves with little tiny rubber dots on them. And the wooden arrow on the finger of one of my gloves made a noise. And that noise you couldn't have heard if I'd have made that right here, right now, sitting there. You couldn't have heard that. But that buck never came between those two trees. <laughs> he was just gone. He could hear the, and I don't, it's, that was a hundred times more loud than it was. It was so quiet as I watched that deer just go boom, 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 gone. And I could tell you 10 more stories of the same thing. And I just struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled. And there was 10 years of my life I hunted and I didn't get deer. I was pretty discouraged. I put more and more time in and thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But God had to teach me a lot of lessons. What are you doing this for? Why are you doing this? What is this about for you? Is this just to get a big animal? Who cares? You need something deeper, something more important. And from that, my many hours sitting in a tree stand even on my birthday, one time, on the night of my birthday, I was gonna sit, I was gonna watch, because there were deer tracks under my tree stand. And I waited until dark, because there were so many deer tracks. I'm like, they have got to be in here. I waited till dark, 10 minutes after dark, I counted 15 tails that came through. It was so dark, I could just see the flicks of their tails as they walked through, so I couldn't shoot anything. But it was all of those things like, God says, you're not going to get, you can't get one unless if I show you how to do it, and just exactly, but I want you to learn something different, and something deeper, and something better, because there's more to it than this. It's not just about getting a big deer, or a big set of horns, or whatever it is, it's something deeper that you need to learn. And those are times when I sat and sat and said, God, what do you want me to do? And he began to show me pushing towards things like the youth hunts and things like that. You have to share this thing. You have to take what I give you and use it, not just for your gain, but for something bigger, for the kingdom of God. And when you do that, I will give you the desires of your heart. And he has on one of the youth hunts, the one where almost everybody left early in the morning. <laughs> everybody had to leave. As they walked out, your sister that walked out, she kicked the great big buck out, and he went in a great big circle around me for the next 45 minutes. And finally, he walked out, and I'm like, that's a deer with horns. And it's, I can shoot it. <laughs> I was shocked. Because it had been so many years. And at that point, it wasn't about, I got to get a big one. God changed my thinking and yet gave me the desire of my heart. It was not bad to want to do that. But he said, you've got a long way to go to learn. So sometimes... When he does this, he's creating a new situation in you to prepare you 
for making it more, a, a deeper relationship, a deeper experience, something better, because there's more than just that. And so with that, there were two people that stayed behind, and we went, and don't you think we lost that deer? And we looked and looked and looked and almost gave up. But Jacob found it. He went back and said, I'm going to go look one more time. And there it was. Okay? And the experience that I had with that and found friends through it, and deep, God made it deeper than any just going out and hunting a, a big deer. Right? He created something new and he gave me what I desired deep inside and said, but you learn to delight in me. You learn to focus on me and forget just getting what you want. With that, he, with his individuality, goes inside of us and says, you're going to have something unique that's just for you. And that's what God creates for us. God will create that experience in heaven for us that says, this will give you desires I'm going to fulfill these things for you. I'm going to give great things to you. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an experience like you've never even known. And especially you would never know if you lived it in a selfish way. But if you can learn to delight in God and say, God, whatever it is you want, your, your plan is way better than my plan. I would have a plan to go and be a big shot somewhere and God say, no, nope, I'd rather you go to a little place over here because I'm going to give you a better life in this place. God does those things, but it takes some steps to say, God, I want what you want. It's okay for me. So when he does that, he gives you the desires of your heart. He creates something within you and he helps you Number, I'm just going to skip to a couple different things. Verse number 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Okay, He helps you to have rest. And that's something we're going to get. This is something about home. When you are sick or you are injured, that's the first place you think to go. I don't care if you're an injured raccoon or an injured human, you want to go home. Because that's the comfortable place to be. That's the place you want to go to repair, to mend. Okay? God created that in us. And he knows on this earth we will have struggles. And we will have hard times. And he says, I'm going to give you rest. I want to teach you how to rest in me anywhere. And then I'm going to take you to a place... And get this perfect place made for you where you will be relaxed. You will be you. Okay? You will be you. Verse number 7 we did. Verse number 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Don't be filled with anger. Don't let that consume you. Because anger is not... Anger is, can be sin, okay? It's not a sin to be angry, but we do a lot of things while we're angry that oftentimes are sin or lead to sin, 
We become impatient with people when we're angry. Okay? We want to show everybody how angry we are. We display it some way or another. Banging, slamming, pushing, doing whatever we need to do. Biting if we need to, whatever it is. To show them how angry we are. Okay? We become aggressive and those things oftentimes, God says, that's not going to be a part of what we have in here. What I'm creating for you, it's not going to be there. That's going to be gone. Take those things away. All right? That's not what I have for you. Now, let's skip along to Revelation chapter number 21. Because doing that, Revelation chapter 21... Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and shall be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So God creates this new heaven and this new earth, and he says, in it, I am taking these things and wiping away what was. There was a part of the curse that used to be on earth that you lived in, and he says, I'm creating a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. Now, the cool thing is we're going to get to watch that, that creation. God will hold us and create this new heaven and new earth. Okay? Everything you know now as in struggle and trial and anger and frustration and sin and people getting away with things and all the things that you struggle with personally, all of that is washed away, wiped away when God recreates the new earth with no curse. Nature without a curse. See, nature herself is stunted now. Nature without death in it. A tree won't ever die. Well, what does that mean for a tree? If you've ever seen the redwoods, everything is huge. No death. Animals that are just live. There's not death and dying because it's gone. It was a part of the curse. The sorrow, the death, the dying, all of the things that sin brought in are wiped away and the new or heaven and the new earth, I create this whole thing like it was supposed to be in the beginning. A paradise where you interact with other humans without sorrow and pain, without sin, you have good relationships and they bring comfort to you. And they don't bring you pain. And they don't bring you to a place where you're walking on eggshells around people. Okay? They bring you to a place where you 
are comforted by other people and the animals and nature and everything surrounding you is perfect and made just for you. And God knows who you are and God puts you in a place that he's prepared for you and says, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Explore it. Find out. Take time and just soak it in. The most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen, the most beautiful mountain, river, lake, just surrounded by these things. But all of the curse is gone. So no more death. Nothing dead. Everything grows and lives and breathes and continues. All right? Whole different thought process than we have because we're used to everything dying here, right? Just a part of life, right? Dying is a part of life. It's only a part of life because the curse brought it about. So there's a new heaven and a new earth, and it's new. And God's, and he says this, I will wipe away all their tears. And I truly think when humans come across, and we're going to look at one more verse to show you that, humans come across and die, they cross over and they are so used to living in the stunted, cursed world that it's an adjustment to understand what it is to be without. And God understands that adjustment. He understands what you've been in. And so he personally and lovingly, it says, wipes away your tears. It doesn't say there's no more tears. It says, I'm going to take them and I'm going to personally wipe them away. I'm going to help you see. I'm going to change you. I'm going to finish you. And take you to a place where you don't have those tears anymore. They're gone. Because there's nothing more to be sad about. There's nothing more to be lonely for. There's nothing more to be angry at. I've changed all of that and put it back to the way it should have been. Before sin ever cursed the earth. And I give you this new opportunity. And I'm going to personally touch you and take away those things that have made you frustrated and angry. Wipe away the tears. I think there's action in God does it personally and touches every person that he brings to be with him for eternity. It's an action. Go to the next chapter as we finish up Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me, verse 1, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of there were there for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they have no need of candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. So, in this description of this picture, there's a great river flowing right out of the throne of God. Crystal clear river. Beautiful river. And trees. 
alongside of it. Specific trees that are there that it names is the tree of life. And it has 12 kinds of fruit on it. Every season comes through and it's a different kind of fruit on the same tree. Because God could do whatever he wants. It's a new month. Put new fruit on there. Nothing dies. It's always perfect and available. And growing and new. And he says, and what you do with those leaves, you take the leaves off the tree and create a salve for the healing of the nations. Because there have been many, many bad and evil things that have happened even amongst people who believe in God. There have been many things that they have done that they regret. And God says, I'm going to heal that. I'm going to wipe away all the tears and I'm going to heal that. You don't need healing leaves unless if you need healing. Right? right? They're going to heal the nations. He says, I'm going to go through, I'm going to heal all the hurts that happen between mankind. I'm going to take and wipe that all away. And it will be true, real diversity, like they say now. Right? Real diversity in that mankind will just be mankind. And each individual will fit in just perfectly into God's plan. And God will heal them of their internal hurts, the things that scarred them from the world, the people that mistreated them, the things that were said to them to hurt them. He will heal them. And that's the most fascinating part is there's a process we're going to go through when we get there that he writes all the wrongs. And now go, that you're healed and free you are no longer bound by this curse. Now go and enjoy your relationships, enjoy your home, enjoy being you. It's more relaxing, more freeing than it's ever been. You're not bound up by all the things that bring you anxiety. You don't have anxiety anymore. It's gone. Take it away. Nothing brings you stress anymore. Because God created the perfect place for us to be and he heals all the problems that we live with in this earth. All right? New place, great place, can't wait to get there. It's going to be exciting. And that's what I, to understand that it's not just boring floating off clouds somewhere. This is a, a place created that will be familiar to you when you get there. There'll be a familiarity of home. Because he said, I'm going to go make this familiar for them. I'm going to create a place they're going to feel right at home. And they're going to get there and say, it's perfect. Just what I've ever wanted. Learn to delight in God. He brings those things, those deep desires inside of you, brings them to fruition in your life. Thank you very much.